Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. So good to see you all, and uh, welcome home. Uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful day today. We have been in something of a desert season for a couple of years, have we not? It was May of 2020 when we had our last uh, service, regular service here in the building. And uh, it has been such a tough time uh, for us. We've uh, attempted to follow public health uh, guidelines, keep people safe. Um, not a political decision, just a practical decision so we didn't have to develop our own uh, medical expertise around what was safe and what wasn't. And then um, we tried last summer with Welcome Home 1.0, and unfortunately um, COVID didn't cooperate with us, and we were soon back to masks. And uh, today um, is a very special day. It's Welcome Home 2.0. We are hoping there will be no 3.0, and that we will be able to enjoy um, the pleasure of God's presence and the presence of each one of us. It's been a tough season. It's been hard to worship with masks on. Um, I don't know if you noticed a couple of weeks ago when we took the masks off, but the energy in the room just was dramatically different. It's so fun to see what people look like. Uh, Mark and Vanessa have been a part of the congregation now for, what, four or five months, maybe, something like that. How long? (laughs) Yeah, okay, that long, okay. So... um, So I didn't actually know what they looked like uh, (laughs) until a couple of weeks ago when when we unmasked, as it were. Uh, But what a joy it is um, to be able to be coming out this side and to be together. You know, there really isn't um, anything like being together as the family of God. Uh, We welcome the folks that are watching online today and are so glad that you joined us. You know, the church, however, is more than content. It's more than listening to worship. It's more than sharing the word. Um, It's being the body of Christ. It's being together. It's being uh, worshiping together and serving together and growing together. And uh, so I just thank you for coming back this very special Sunday. Pastor Robin has announced uh, the stuff that's coming up for Easter, the uh, good, uh, excuse me, the Palm Sunday uh, special morning uh, with a processional with the children, and then the uh, concert with uh, Mosaic in the evening, and then following that, Monday, Thursday communion service, Good Friday, always a very, very special program at North Sound Church, and then, of course, Easter Sunday coming up. And Mark and Vanessa are going to be baptized, and maybe some others in the congregation would like to follow the Lord in the waters of baptism as well. We invite you to join us uh, for that. Today, I have been given instructions by uh, the boss. Um, I have two bosses. Well, I have three bosses. I work for God. That's That's the top boss. And then I work for Barb. That's next in order. Uh, And then I work for the elders. Um, Yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's about it. Um, So anyway, um, Barb would like you all to know that we are welcoming back Club Grub today, and Nate is uh, cooking up for us something called a Buddha bowl. I'm a little hesitant to 
wonder what a Buddha bowl in a Christian church might actually be, but I understand it's going to be good. So um, we invite you to join us following the service for our first Club Grub in a very long time. And we're going to use the, um, the, the, door, the serving doors at the back of the auditorium today, and I'll have you go down this aisle here. So folks on this side, I'm so sorry, but you'll need to come around this way to form a line. Um, and then you're welcome to take your food into the lobby. Um, there are tables there outside if you want to, out to the parking lot. In here, you can move chairs around if you would like to. Uh, but we invite you to join us for, uh, for lunch today as well. So we're finishing uh, up in uh, the next couple of weeks our sermon series on the Ten Commandments. And today, uh, we are going to look at the commandments uh, 7 and 8, and they kind of tie together. Uh, all of us that have been sharing in this series, I think, are saying it's really hard to do two commandments in one Sunday. So we have adultery today, and we have stealing today. And I'm going to fold adultery into stealing because it's kind of stealing, isn't it? I remember the challenge I had as a new seminary student in my early 20s when I was given the task of sharing with an adult class on the topic of adultery. Um, I just I didn't feel very well qualified. Um, and so um, it was a challenge to, um, to, try to, to try to prepare that and to share that. Uh, but basically, the word around that is, is just don't do it. It's much better if you, uh, if you don't do that. Okay. So, you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal. Exodus 20, verses 14 and 15. So, as we've moved through this series, some of you may be thinking, well, I've done pretty good on that one, and yeah, fair to middle and on that one. You're kind of doing an evaluation as we go through of just how things are going for you. And the eighth commandment is thou shalt not steal. And I, I doubt if many of you are actually actively engaged uh, in, in doing that, actively engaged in stealing. And so you may be saying, well, let's get on to Club Grub because um, that's not too relevant for me this morning. But I actually want us to, to stop a little bit and to ponder, to not move on quite so quickly. So we're going to consider these two commandments, but especially the commandment around stealing here. And stealing is sometimes um, hard to understand. When someone is hungry, we understand that they may take something that doesn't belong to them and uh, in the need that they have in their family. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 30 to 32 says, People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. And then, interestingly, it links adultery. It says, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. So, well, there's this accountability. We have an understanding that sometimes people have taken something out of significant need. But it's hard to understand those that steal for no apparent reason. Winona Ryder joins a list of celebrities having stolen $4,800 worth of goods from an upscale Beverly Hills boutique. And we ask ourselves the question, why, why do that? Well, 
The fancy term is kleptomania. Some people seem to be drawn into, uh, I don't know what it is, if it's the excitement around trying to do that and not get caught, but it it describes that compulsion to steal. I had a friend who, when he was younger, had that compulsion to steal. Thankfully, by God's grace, began to outgrow that. But perhaps most of us this morning don't have a problem with just outright taking things that don't belong to us. But I want for us to stop and ponder a little bit this a little bit farther. As I thought about the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not steal, I thought about some of the ways that we may steal that strike a lot closer to home. So I have a quiz for you this morning, and I do not want you to raise your hands, and you don't necessarily need to share your answers with anyone, but I want you to to think about this for yourself Uh, and your own situation. So here's the quiz on stealing this morning. Is it stealing to shoplift from a Walmart store? For some of you, I should have said from Nordstrom's, pardon pardon me. Uh, Is it stealing to keep change for a $20 bill when you only gave a $10 bill to the cashier? Is it stealing to copy music from a CD to your computer and pass on the CD to someone else. We're quickly moving to the place where CDs are becoming relevant and it's downloads that we may not belong to us. Is it stealing to buy a DVD of dubious origin on the street or to use software, I believe they call it ripping software, to copy movies that don't belong to you? Is it stealing to borrow your neighbor's tools and not return them? Is it stealing to borrow a book and forget it on your bookshelf after you've read it? Is it stealing to take an answer to a test from a student whose test paper you can see? Is it stealing to present ideas, essays, or proposals that are not your own as though they are your own? Now, there are probably other questions we could ask in this regard, but those of you that have been around North Sound very long know that I don't like to motivate by guilt. This is a church that emphasizes the grace of God. However, having said that, we need to take some time to consider our lives and whether we've crossed the line in taking things that don't belong to us. Romans chapter 2, verse 21 says this, You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself while you preach against stealing? Do you steal? And so this morning I'd like for us to think about the fact that stealing is not only about taking something physical that belongs to someone else, but we can steal when we rob other people of hope, when we violate their trust. Remember the scripture that John read for us this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Again, I'd like to read it to you. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Stealing fundamentally is a violation of love, the love of God and our love for others. Stealing violates trust. 
um, Erlene Stevenson is here this morning. And Erlene, I was reflecting on you and Bob uh, going to the uh, blind snow games back in Colorado. And uh, Erlene would um, look after food. She'd be involved uh, in preparation. And Bob used to take blind skiers out to do cross-country skiing. And when I've thought about that, I've thought, what a picture of trust. What an amazing picture of trust. Not to be able to see, being out there and having someone guide you completely, trusting you completely. You see, those people had to trust him. And when we violate someone's trust, we steal their faith. We steal their faith in us and in some ways contribute to the lack of faith in general in other people. And sometimes we steal hope. We take away someone's hope when we rob them of what they need to survive. I love the optimism of the little fellow that was asked by the stranger who had walked, uh, wandered upon a baseball game And he said to one of the young boys out there, he said to them, what's the score? And the little guy says, they're winning 18 to nothing. And uh, the stranger said, well, I bet you're discouraged. And the little boy said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't been up to bat yet. (laughs) That's hope. That's hope. Yet we do something... When we find ourselves stealing hope when our lives and our voices don't affirm the power of God with people, that things are possible, that we do that, we steal their hope. We want to be hope takers in our lives and hope givers, excuse me, and not hope takers. There are probably few of us in the room that don't know the pain of unrequited puppy love. We can remember perhaps back to those years. But many of us in the room have known a much more severe pain being crushed by serious love that has been stolen from us. It happens when we're abused by those that should love us, abandoned by those who should have cared for us, or violated by the infidelities of those with whom we had made a lifetime commitment. Some of us had been victims, and some of us have stolen that love. I want to conclude today by sharing with you a story from a movie that I have thoroughly enjoyed. There are many wonderful movies that have come out about teachers. Some of you may be old enough to remember To Sir With Love. Uh, Some of you may remember Dead Poets Society. Today I want to talk for just a moment about the Emperor's Club. Barb and I are proud of our son Ryan, who is a high school teacher. And I marvel at these, um, at these movies, Mr. Holland's Opus, another one of course, um, of the role and the effect that teachers have in the lives of students. The Emperor's Club is a moving story of a professor by the name of Mr. Hundert. And he works with a class of young people, and he works to train them in not only education, but character. And the culmination of the year is this 
quiz that they have, and uh, he did the quiz with the boys, and there was a young man by the name of Sedgwick. Sedgwick was the son of a senator in this posh school, and Sedgwick attempted to cheat to win the contest. Mr. Hundert understood what was happening and was able to redirect the question in such a way that he did not win. As the movie continues, Sedgwick becomes enormously successful in life. He has a vast estate, and he is now running for Senate himself. And he decides 25 years after that original quiz that he wants to invite his schoolmates back for the contest to rerun it one more time, only this time he plans to win. And so they gather these friends from 25 years before, now middle-aged adults, and they invite Mr. Hundert to come and to go through the quiz with them. And during the course of the quiz, they have a lovely meal together, and then they sit down for the quiz, which is the highlight of the evening. And as they're going through the quiz, Mr. Hundert notices something in Sedgwick's ear. It was a little earpiece, a hearing piece. And then he looked to the back of the room and he saw that there was someone in the back of the room who was whispering answers to the questions into Sedgwick's ear. And Mr. Hundert was able to come up spontaneously with the question that the person in the back of the room would not be able to give the answer to in order to avoid Sedgwick winning through cheating. But he was profoundly moved, Mr. Hundert was, and the scene moves into the men's room on this vast estate, this property, and he's in the men's room and he has a towel that he is using to cool himself down, to calm down. He is so upset at what he has seen of Sedgwick's character. When Sedgwick walks into the men's room, And there's an exchange that takes place at that moment. After exchanging a few words, Mr. Hundert says, How long have you been hard of hearing, Sedgwick? Hmm, very good, Mr. Hundert, very good. Yeah, boy, I thought you might have known. Who's the poor mercenary, Mr. Hundert said, who's feeding you the answers? Oh, that's just some graduate student who... I gave a couple hundred bucks and a warm meal too. Sedgwick says, I trust you'll keep this between us. Hundert says, as always. Sedgwick again says, I trust you will. Mr. Hundert says, do you mean I'm going to go out there and expose you for a liar and a cheat? No, I'm a teacher, Sedgwick, and I failed you as a teacher But I will give you one last lecture, if I may. All of us at some point are forced to look at ourselves in the mirror to see who we really are. And when that day comes to you, Sedgwick, you will be confronted with a life without virtue, without principle. And for that, I pity you. End of lesson. Sedgwick responds, Well, what can I say, Mr. Hundred? Who gives a care? Honestly, who gives a care? 
about your principles and your values. I mean, look at you. What do you have to show for yourself? I live in the real world where people do what they need to do to get what they want. And if it's lying and cheating, then so be it. So I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to win that election, Mr. Hundred, and you will see me everywhere, and I'll worry about my contribution later. And at this moment, there's the sound of a stall door opening. And Sedgwick's son, about 10 years old, walks out having heard this conversation, having heard what his father said about his own character. And with a look of pain and grief and shock on this little boy's face, he makes his way out of the restroom and his father calls to him, Robert, Robert. Occasionally, with the North Sound family, I've shared the verse my father gave me in my sixth grade autograph book. Some of you will remember it. I sow a thought and reap an act. I sow an act and reap a habit. I sow a habit and reap a life. I sow a life and reap a destiny. Friends, this morning, Sedgwick showed a thought, sowed a thought, and he reaped an act. He sowed an act, and he reaped a habit. And he sowed a habit, and he reaped a character. The joy of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that we're all sinners. We've all violated one or more or all of the Ten Commandments in one way or another. But God's grace comes to us and leads us to the cross. And there's hope. There's hope for Sedgwick and there's hope for each one of us. In the grace of God that meets us at the cross where he became the means by which our sins are forgiven. And where each one of us can say with John Newton who was a slave captain, captain of a slave ship who repented of his sins, wrote that amazing hymn, Amazing Grace, where he says the words for each one of us, I once was lost, but now I'm found. was blind, but now I see. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for the blessing of your presence. We thank you for the joy of the family of God being back together again here at North Sound, for the North Sound family to be able to to see each other, to be able to worship together, to be able to serve together. Lord, we are grateful. Lord, we're especially grateful today for the cross and the fact that while we are sinners, we are saved by your grace. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, each one of us, to enter into the joy of transformation for each one of us to become the people you want us to be, we pray in Jesus' name.